You're rocking with the voice of town view. We put our spin on trending topics and school news. Thought provoking, insightful, we speak the truth. We do it for all ages, not just for the youth. Uh, listen close, you might learn something. Or laugh so hard, you split your side of something. Uh, live stream a podcast. Whenever you tune in, it's sure to be a blast. Uh, let's be honest, you don't want to miss that. Content so real, you're going to want to run it back. We keep you entertained while making an impact. Want foreign announcements? Well, this is not that. Uh, Sports, pop, culture, political, whatever you like, we got you covered, bro. Uh, it's a movement more than just a show. It's KSB Elmer Radio. Welcome, KSB and viewers. This is your favorite radio host, KG, along with our Nemo. I'm Nemo. And our radio guest. Uh, Curtis Action Jackson. So it's a pleasure <laughs> to have you on the show. I mean, we've been following you for it uh, ever ever since the first Friday event. We've been following you, seeing what you're doing as far as, um, oh, the motivational speaking and even the competition that you're going to be a part of that's going to be televised. I know you can't say too much about it, <laughs> but, you know, classified. there's yeah, it's very classified. You have a, lot of, a lot of stuff that you got to sign. I know. I know. It's a, yeah. it's a hassle. But, you know, just real quick synopsis. It's actually like, you know, so... Who is Mr. Jackson? Who is Mr. Jackson? I would say the very first thing that I would say, I am the son of Barbara Jackson, a single parent mother that decided not to give up when mm -hmm. she could have. An individual um, that the first words that I heard, unfortunately for my father when I was in my mother's womb, was that he's not my son. And those were the very first words that I heard from my father. And I met him again and had an honest conversation with the age of 24. And so I tell people that my story began being broken at birth. But somehow, some way, if you don't give up, the most painful thing can become the most purposeful thing in your life. That is, that is, that is beautiful. Yes, sir. Strong. It's beautiful. Um, we want to start this, we want to start this interview out with like, you know, just where did it all begin? You know, the, you know, high school to, you know, college. So we're going to sure, track Absolutely. All yeah. So one of our, you know, first questions is where did you grow up? Like I grew, <laughs> I grew up in Oak Cliff, Cliff Texas, Texas. <laughs> <laughs> uh, AKA Oak Cliff. Yeah. So being from Dallas, Texas, you know, I actually around this particular area, I, I call it my stomping grounds. It was a place that I learned how to be a man, so to speak. Um, right here in Dallas, born at Parkland Hospital, not the new one, the old one. You, you, you were there too as well, yeah, the old one. Um, and I think it's really important that, we, that you know, that you ask that question, your beginnings. Mm -hmm. How can you appreciate the super highways in life if you don't remember the rocky roads? Mm -hmm. And so with that being said, as I stated to you, growing up in a single parent situation, watching my mother work so hard, um, we didn't have everything, but we didn't know that we didn't have everything because we had so much love. Yes. And so at that particular point in time, I re really began to understand that life is really not about things. It's about beings. Mm -hmm. Relationships is the most important thing, the greatest value that we can have. And having that close relationship with my mother and my brothers and sisters was so great, so great. You know, I remember, I reflect back to the time that I was actually in high school. Yes. Yeah. And getting up at four o'clock in the morning, every single day, you would ask, yeah, he says, oh my gosh. <laughs> he says, oh my gosh. We, we like, do, do six o'clock. Yeah, yeah, six o'clock is early, right? 
So we're waking up at 4 o'clock in the morning. At that point in time, we would actually throw in uh, the Dallas Morning News. Wow. So we're up at 4. We're brushing our teeth, 4.30. We're wiping our eyes. And we've got tons and tons of newspapers in the living room. Mm-hmm. So it's myself, my brother, and my sister, and my beautiful mom. And we're rolling the paper. We're putting them inside the sacks and things of that nature. And um, at about 4.45 or so, we're on the road. And we're driving through Dallas, throwing the paper. And those were some of the best moments of my life. I would say, Mom, I said, you know, it's, it's so hot in here. Can you turn the AC on? And you know what my mom would say? She said, boy, you know what the air conditioning is. And I said, yeah, okay. She said, roll down the window. <laughs> and she drive a little bit faster than your AC gets, gets mm-hmm. you know, uh, a, a little bit, grows a little bit harder. That's just air from the outside. Yes. And um, I remember throwing the paper, uh, throwing the paper, and he would hit the door, and he was kind of off to the side. She says, you know, we don't throw paper like that. I said, okay. She said, well, get out the car. And I said, okay. Now take the paper, and I want you to lay it right on the door. So when they open the door, the newspaper just falls inside. They don't have to go and get it. At that particular point in time, my mom was teaching me business, Mm -hmm. exceeding expectation. And I was like, okay, Mom. She says, your brand is B-E. I said, what is that? Be excellent. So there I am, a 16-year-old young man, and she's teaching me, number one, work ethic, being on time to do things, build your own brand, in regards to what you do. Always be excellent. And we never met the person that we were throwing the newspaper to. Mm-hmm. And we don't have to. It's about giving your best when no one is looking. And I'm telling you, before I went to college, right, and became the number one salesperson in America, running a top team right here in Dallas-Fort Worth, out of 56 banking centers, mm-hmm. we were number one being led by your boy. But guess where I got my business degree from? The streets for mama <laughs> at the age of 16 about being excellent. And so growing up in Dallas, man, I, you know, wouldn't trade anything for it. Wouldn't yeah. trade anything for it. Learned so much from great mentors like my mom. And speaking of the, you know, you mentioned community. Um, yeah. What is, what is the importance of that? having people around you to yeah. help encourage you, improve, to yeah. preach being better when nobody's looking. Wow. You know, I, 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 did a, I did a speech here recently, right? I do convocation speeches um, at different school districts. So we had a crowd between two and 3,000 individuals. Mm-hmm. And I could speak really, their main topic was talking about legacy. Legacy. And what do you think about legacy? It's about your history that you actually live out, at, you live out now, so that when you're gone, you're, what you did in your present, you're offering a present to others, and what you did outlives you, and that's legacy. And so what I chose to talk about when it comes to, to legacy is there was a gentleman here in Dallas who was a coach and a math teacher that took both myself and three of my friends to Grandy's, old school, right? If you ever yes. heard of Grandy's, okay. Yeah, he would take us once a week, <laughs> once a week to Grandy's. And we were like, well, why, why, is this, why, why is this coach, you know, taking such an interest? Well, all of our moms went to the coach and says, can you help my son? Can you help my son? He has um, some, he has uncanny, you know, wit, and he's very intelligent. They're very athletic, and we were all charismatic. But we had one thing in common. We were all fatherless. And so she wanted him to mentor us. He had a degree, had a big house. He drove a Porsche to work, a gold Porsche. Are y'all hearing me? And we didn't see a lot of gold Porsches in Oak Cliff, all right? (laughs) So um, a gold Porsche. And you know what he did? Every single week, this one man would spend one hour every single week 
for an entire year. Mm-hmm. And what happened, he changed the trajectory of our life that was going here to here. So within that one-year time, right, we produced, I think, three student body presidents out of, out of that group at our school. In addition to that, we produced four, uh, four individuals that all went to college, all on a scholarship, one of which actually went to TCU on a full scholarship and went on to play with the New England Patriots, right? His dad, he was estranged from his dad, you know, and, and didn't really have a lot of time with him. He was, he was an angry person. Mm-hmm. But that guy, by spending one hour for one week for one year, changed his life. The other gentleman actually went to Northwestern University on a full scholarship, both academic and athletic, and he went on to play for the Kansas City Chiefs. Are y'all following what I'm saying, mm-hmm. okay? All right? Um, just one guy for one hour, one week for one year. Then the other guy actually went. His dad was in prison, and he was a gang member. Um, and at that time, when he began to mentor this young man, he was in a gang too, mm-hmm. or, you know, that type of thing. Guess where he ended, ended, up, ended up? Where? He graduated with Prince, from Princeton with a doctorate degree. Wow. Y'all help me. Y'all help me understand the power of oh, mentoring. Yes. Right? And the last guy was me, right? Mm-hmm. I became student body president. I was actually on Dale Hansen Channel 8, Scholar After the Week, Channel 5, Scholar After the Week. Got a full academic scholarship. Went on to Alcorn State University, mm-hmm. became class president, got my own radio show. Are, y- are y'all staying yeah, with me? Yeah. Right? <laughs> and remember, we were all daddyless. But in that particular point, I understood that, when, that all of us can be a positive to someone else, that when we're facing the greatest times of our life, when we're running into a wall, that wall can become a bridge mm-hmm. if you take time out and you take time and I take time out to help somebody by reaching back, pulling them forward like they did with us. It was one man, one hour for one week, for one year, changed our lives. Now we all have families and doing great things in the community too as well. Yeah. And he was in our community. And we're, and we're seeing it on display now. I mean, hey, here, come you on. The stuff that you're doing. I mean, <laughs> I'm proud of you guys. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, you, you probably can't see it, but I, I'm standing back to, you know, a great young man here, great young man here, great young ladies behind the scenes over here too as well. And I'll take time out just to applaud each one of you for doing great things with your life and understand that, you know, the things that we do matter. That's, hey, that's, and it's powerful. I mean, yeah, the, it the, just the little moments of, motivating like even the youth like how important how important is it to motivate the youth and be there for the youth and yeah. push the agenda that you have to be better to children yeah well you know I, I you know people tell me all the time man when did you want to become a motivational speaker and sometimes unfortunate that you know my stores sometimes start in a very dark place but they end in a bright place mm-hmm. and I think that's great because at some point in time we're all in a dark place at some point in time. So for me, I'm, I'm, I went to Sunset, Dallas Sunset High School, and I remember as a 16-year-old, um, I had a friend that every time he walked through a door, the whole room would just light up. Mm-hmm. Do you know people like yes, that? That's yes. just like instant positivity, like, I want to be your friend even if you don't even know me. <laughs> like, I'm adopting you as my friend, right? And so this guy was like, he was Mr. Positive. Made, mm-hmm. made me just think of life in a different way and look at it through a different lens, and then they said, hey, um, hey, we lost him. I said, w- w- what are you talking about? Your, your best friend. We lost him. I said, well, wh- where did he go? What, what, what happened? He says, man, I, I, I don't really want to tell you this, but I got to tell you this. And I'd rather that I tell you before somebody else. You know he likes soccer. I said, yeah. You know he's going to soccer practice. Yeah. You know they kind of ride, you know, 
in the back of the truck sometimes because they didn't have a school bus to take him. And he says somebody was doing a drive-by, man, and he got shot. He got shot in the head, man. I'm like, what? I, I was, have you ever been in, like, in shock? Mm-hmm. Where the pain was so great that you, like, feel mm-hmm. numb? And at that point in time, I felt like my life was like, like you take a shirt and you put it inside the dryer and, and it's just spinning. I felt like my life, which I didn't know what day it was, what time it was. I couldn't even think. Well, guess what? The whole school felt like that because he was just that yes. kind of a magnetic type person. And I have to really just thank my principal. Um, what they did is they took us to back then Reunion Arena before they, we had the Air American Airlines Center. Mm-hmm. And they brought in this guy named Jimmy Cabrera. Took the whole school, packed it out, and we were like, it, because the school, like, it had a dark cloud over it. And he began to speak, and he was telling me, man, how hard his life was when he was younger, and he was poor, and he was going through different things. I said, wait a minute, his life sounds like my life. But how is it that you're standing up there with suit and tie, you, you know, you, you're smiling, and you're, you're, like, saying all these positive things and talking about how to turn a negative into a positive, and you're saying good seed and bad seed and all these different, how are you doing that? Mm-hmm. It was a Hispanic brother. And he talked about choices. He talked about, you know, taking control of your life and no longer being the victim to being the victor. How you can flip it over like a pancake, you know? How you take the word no and say, no, it's not no, it's own, baby. And, <laughs> and I was like, wow. So I was sitting in the back. He says, who's going to take this information back to your schools? Who's going to be courageous enough to do that? And I raised one finger and I said, I, I, I will, Jimmy. His name was Jimmy Cabrera. He said, did somebody say something in the back? I said, I will, Jimmy. He said, tell that young man to, up, to stand up. And I stood up and I said, I'll take it back to my school and I'll take it back to my community, Jimmy. I, I, I'll do it for you. And at that particular point in time, that is where Curtis Action Jackson was born. I said, I want to be just like you, Jimmy. I want to be like you. I want to change the world. So from age 16 till now to this day, I talk to every single student. If you if you could breathe, I'm talking to you. It didn't matter what you look like, didn't matter where you were from. Mm-hmm. I just knew that every person had value. Every person mattered. And that's where I start my motivational career. And that's where it all began. Is Jimmy touched my heart and my goal was to touch the world. You mentioned earlier about bright and dark places. And yeah. From personal experience, I don't know how high school's been for y'all, but it's kind of been like a roller coaster of those kind of like situations. Yeah. So how was high school in general for you? High school in general for me. Well, back when I was about 15, 16, when I started, 15 as a freshman, um, I was, you know, I wasn't the tallest. I wasn't the most handsome. I wasn't the smartest. I just kind of existed. And I don't know if there's anybody out there that, feels like at that time that you feel like you're just existing. And I remember I was a kid that ran home because I was bullied. And I don't know why I was a magnet where people just wanted to either beat me up or say, you know, things to me that are not positive. I don't know. Um, And I remember as a freshman in high school, I ran to the gym. It was kids chasing me, and there was a guy that was about to hit me. And then a guy came up behind me, and I was on the bleachers like this. It says, don't hit him. He's with me. I look back, uh, I look back at them, I said, y'all heard him, I'm with him. His name was Rock. Mm-hmm. He's like six, four, six, five, something like that, and he was like built like a Mack truck. 
had this deep, like, very white type voice. And he says, yeah, don't hit him. He's with me. And at that point in time, wow, I was like, like, you even know me? He's like a senior, right? Like, you know, I'm a freshman. Like, yeah, I, I know you. He's on the basketball team. I'm like, you know me? He said, yeah. And I said, Rock, uh, thank you, man. And that point in time, I, I understood what he did for me. I said, you know, when I get stronger, when I get taller, when I, you know, become a little smarter, when I can be a leader like him, I'm going to take up for other people. I'm going to help the weak be strong, and I'm going to help the voiceless get a voice, and I'm going to help those who other people call cowards, I'm going to help them to be courageous. Rock helped me to do that. So when I became 16 and I lost my friend, then my identity came of I want to help people. So my thought was is that the best life to live is one that's giving, not the one that's taking. Everywhere I was around, there was pimps and there was prostitutes and there were drugs. They were all taking, but nobody was giving. So through my friend Rock and through my friend Jimmy, I learned how to give. And then that's when my life started to blossom. So I felt like I lived in a concrete jungle, but I said, I'll be the one rose. I said, if it's, if it's dark everywhere, I'll be like the sunlight. Right? I said, man, I'm going to overcome by loving people and by doing things that are positive, positive and by giving back. And so that's when I learned how to, to take that victim mentality and start being victorious. Because I still was suffering from that pain inside. I was like, you know, why did my dad not want me? Am I not good? Do I have, you know, am I worthless? I was still broken inside, man. I'm 16. But he said those words while I was still in my mother's stomach and I was carrying that weight. Oh, man. And what I did um, at the age of s between 16 and 17, I remember this. I'm so glad you asked. I live, you know, maybe a block or so from the school, and I'm standing on the second floor in the projects, man, in the projects. There's nobody else around, and I've got tears in my eyes. And I'm not ashamed to say this. I, I didn't want to breathe anymore. I didn't want to live anymore. Because that weight of anger and unforgiveness that I had toward my father was just weighing me down. And, uh, but that day, I decided to take my life back. And the way I did is I decided to forgive him. Because I was the kid in first grade looking through the window. I said, maybe he's going to come home now. Or Christmas Day, I'm like, maybe he'll show up. And he never showed up. Every birthday, he never showed up. And uh, so I said, you know what? Since he's not going to show up, I'm going to show up. Even if I never meet him, I'm just going to forgive him. And so when I forgave him that day, I felt like a weight just dissolved off my shoulders. And I felt lighter, I felt taller, and I felt stronger. And that's when I, my life really took off. Um, and I really start to blossom. Yeah. Hey, I mean, just the speaking on the forgiveness thing, I mean, for me personally, like, understanding that when growing up as a person, and I know it's good being, like, in, in terms of the motivational speaking and telling people, like, to be better, rise above what you've been through. I know yeah. for me personally, I have, the act of forgiveness is very important because yeah. you, like you said, you set this, this weight on you. That oh, you man, yeah. And I know, 
um, it, it's 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 hard to do it. It's yeah. hard. Yeah. And then once you get past it, I mean, now you're able to blossom. And uh, I guess my next question is to you: now that you, now like once you got to that point where you blossomed past what you've been through, I mean, yeah. how is how has it been? Just telling people like rise above what you've been through. Yeah. Like earlier, you know, through college and then coming out of college and yes, then now, yeah. how's that journey been? Yeah, you know, and that's that's a good question, right? So everybody talks about, hey, I'm on the top, you know, mm-hmm. you know, I'm the greatest this and I'm the greatest that and I've got like so many accolades. But you might you might hear about all the glory, but you don't know my story. Yeah. I didn't start there. I didn't start the top. I started on the bottom. In fact, I was so low, I had to reach up just to touch the bottom. That's how I felt. And so from that point, what I realized was this, that I couldn't reach and hold on to all of my dreams if I held on to all the anger and the unforgiveness. Like you can't have both. And so when I began to let go, I found something out. See, I thought that the greatest thing you could do was fight back. I thought the greatest thing you could do was just hold on. Like, man, I ain't never forgiven him, right? Sometimes the greatest power is is not holding on. Sometimes the greatest power is letting go. And I had my memories just like I was here Mm -hmm. holding on, but I began to slowly begin to, to let go. And when I let go, then that's when I was able to grab and hold on to all of my dreams. Mm-hmm. And I began to go from just existing in life to living. Oh, your boy, Action. Action Jackson was born. And so from that particular point in time, I started writing down just dream after dream. I want to go to college on a full scholarship because I knew my mom couldn't pay for it. I wanted to be student body president. Never dreamed in my life I could be president of anything of the whole school. And in fact, one of the sponsors, God bless her soul, she's no longer with us. Um, she said, man, you know, Curtis, why don't you go for a lower position? You don't have to run for president. This is your first time running for anything. And you want to run for student body president of the whole school? You should probably do like secretary or something like that. And I said, that's cool. I went and prayed about it. I said, you know what? If I'm going to do this thing, I'm going all out. Mm-hmm. I'm going, you know, back in the day, we used to play marbles. So I said, I'm going for all the marbles, man. Like, give me the bag of marbles. And I said, if I lose, I lose, but I'm going for everything. Now, here's the problem. I had no money, right? So the person I'm running against, they like, they know how to put all the campaign signs. They got like, they people got people that got money. You know, they money got money. Mm-hmm. I had nothing, bro. I was on free and reduced lunch. You hear me? And so I was the guy that had nothing but a dollar in the dream. So I'm going to business and say, hey, can you sponsor me? I'm going to mom's job. I just need paper to, to print things out. Can you type this up? But I got friends that didn't even speak English. They went to the school, right? English is a second language. I learned Spanish, bro. I got them on my team. I got, you know, girls helping me, football players. I got the ones that people call the nerds. I love, I love for, action got love for everybody. You know what I'm saying? And so next thing you know, I had the whole school campaigning for me. My signs were up everywhere, and I was talking to everybody. And the thing that they liked the most is that I wasn't the guy that saw, the, saw himself as being on the mountaintop. I saw my, myself as a person that walks with the average person. And so they said, man, nobody's ever came and sat at our lunch table and talked to us. Mm-hmm. Like, we, like, nobody sits, nobody even, yeah. So you're action, right? I said, yeah, I'm action. I said, yeah, we're pushing positive things around here. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm here to let you know that you don't have to be this or that. You can just be you. And I told everybody, be you to the fullest. 
that's beautiful. Mm. Be you to the fullest. It's beautiful. See, life really begins to become beautiful when Mr. Khalid sees himself as beautiful. When you see yourself as beautiful. And, man, you know, I took some people, man, you got the silver tongue, man. Yeah, yeah, well, I got something. But what I'm doing, you know, I'm speaking positive. Because, you know, people know that, you know, we, we pretty smart. You can tell when somebody's, like, just talking to be talking, and you know that they ain't really being honest with it. You might not say something, but you you can smell it, like, you know, around the corner down the block. Like, yeah, we know you just, yeah. yeah. We, you know what I mean? You faking phony. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I ain't going to say nothing. But, you, you know what I'm saying? So we call it Real Recognize Real. Mm -hmm. And so when I was talking to people, they felt me because they knew I was being true. I wasn't trying to get something from them. I was trying to get hope to them. And in fact, when I graduated, I met people, and they were like, man, remember talking to me when you were junior high school? Wow. I said, man, I talked to a lot of people. She said, you don't even know this, but you saved my life. I was about to take my life, but because you came and talked to me, you saved my life. And I got a family now, and I just want to tell you, Action, thank you. See, the thing I really want to say is that you don't have to be 60, 50, 40, 30, or 20 to make an impact on this life. I want to tell you, if you could just look in my eyes, that you can make an impact right now. You can be a preteen or a teen, and what you have to say and the life that you're living matters. That you can change somebody's life by simply saying hello. That you can change someone's life and say, hey, just don't give up. Yeah, I don't have a doctor degree. I don't have a million dollars. But here's the thing. You don't have to be a millionaire to give back. You don't. And that's, I mean, just the word, just the word of, like you're saying, man, it's <clears throat> just telling people, like, don't give up. Yeah. People, like, reassuring people that you can do it. I mean, it goes a long way. Yeah. Like, it goes a long way. Yeah. You've been doing this for a long time. Oh, yes, man. sir. Yeah, so, since I was 16. So, I, <laughs> so, so, so. How is it now? Like, what's in, let's just talk about the now. Like, yeah. How is it now? Yes. So, you know, as I, as you, as you we kind of talked about, I went on a full academic scholarship, um, had my own radio show and things of that nature, and then came out of college, had one of my beautiful daughters. This one here is called Emerald. The other one is called Diamond, Diamond and Emerald. Um, one of my greatest joys. I remember, you know, standing in, in the hospital room before they were delivered, and I wanted to run. You know why? Because I'd never seen a father. So I didn't know how to be a father. And I was straight up intimidated. Like, I'm going to fail doing this. And so that day, I had to make a decision. If I was going to run like my father ran, or if I was going to stand strong. And I just, I looked up again. I just, I said the longest prayer ever. You know what it was? Help. Because I don't know what to do. And so at that point in time, I said, you know what I'm going to do? I don't know how to do this, but I'm going to do it afraid. And I made that decision that particular point in time that I didn't have to be perfect to be a father. I just needed to be present. I didn't have to be perfect. Just be there. And so from that point, um, everything I tried to do was to be there for my wife and for my beautiful children. And I went into the workforce, um, and at that I became Mr. CFS. That's uh, when I worked for a debt collection company, one of my first jobs. And I had people calling the debt collection company. This, this, it was an elderly lady. She says, baby, I, I, I need to talk to Mr. Jackson. I, I don't have that much money. But if I'm going to pay anybody, I'm going to pay that angel, Mr. Jackson. I only get like $300 a month, but I, I'm going to pay him because he's so nice to me. So what debt collector did you know? 
that people want to call you and call you an angel. Because I, I told them, it's the same thing I learned in, uh, in, um, in high school. Mm-hmm. It's that we're not walking banks and we're not walking wallets. We're people. Our greatest value is not what we have in our hands or bank accounts or in the house. Our greatest value is us, and that's what I would tell people. And they did that. And so that, that went on trend-wise, and I went on to work for the bank, too, as well. And I told you, there was 56 banks in Dallas-Fort Worth, and we were number one for 52 weeks. Mm-hmm. So then from there, I went on to work with the Dallas Mavericks. Worked for the Dallas Mavericks um, about 15, almost two decades or what have you. But working with them, I came in for the interview um, with the stroller. Mm-hmm. Now, when you go in for interviews, mm-hmm. you're not supposed to walk in with a stroller. I walked in with a stroller with two babies. And I said, I can't afford right now, like, daycare. So I didn't want to miss my interview. Uh, so I brought, if you don't mind, I brought my babies with me. Now, you know, sir, I can... I can leave if you want me to, but it's all I got. He said, sit down. He said, anybody that would bring their babies to the interview, oh, I know you're going to show up for work. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, huh? He says, yeah. And I said, the way I got the interview, check this out. The way I got the interview, as I said this, I said, um, um, you, you, you don't have to hire me, but if you do, I'll work for 40 hours for one week. And if I don't do a good job, you don't have to pay me anything. He said, excuse me? So you don't have to pay me anything. But if I do good that week, will you bring me back? He said, all right, it's, it's a deal. So I worked with the Dallas Mavericks for one week. And the next week, they brought me back. And the next week, they brought me back. Next week, they brought me back. And then I got coach of the year. Now, this is working with the youth mm-hmm. here in Dallas. We've got other guys. We've got doctor degrees. They've got, you know, collegiate championships. And then you have me. I didn't have any of that. I just had a dream. And so what I really want to say to everybody there, as clear was he was saying to me, so tell me about now. I can't tell you about now until I tell you the journey, how I got here, mm-hmm. is that you, I don't want you to ever look at the things that you don't have. And don't ever look at the things that you've lost. Always remember that the miracle is what you have left. I didn't have a babysitter, but I had a father that was taking care of the kids. I didn't have all these championships, but I had a dream. And so the miracle then, they said, I became, after my first year rookie, coach of the year. They flew in people from California down to the Dallas Mavericks because wherever I went, the parents were calling, Mm -hmm. and the kids were saying, where's action going next? Wherever he goes, I'm bringing my kid. We're coming there. So they were selling out a week or two weeks in advance just to come see me. Remember, I was the guy that went to the interview Mm -hmm. that didn't have a babysitter, looked totally irresponsible. But I said, this is all I have. And they saw a committed heart. So I wanted to be coach of the year. They videotaped me doing my things, working with kids and being one of the first motivational speakers for the Dallas Mavericks. Now, remember, I'm from Oak Cliff, Texas, baby, just like y'all, man. I'm from Dallas, you know what I mean? That's a dream come true, to be a motivational speaker for a multi-billion dollar company. Come on, man. Come on, man. You know what? I'm clapping up for you. You know why? Because you're beautiful. Be you to the fullest, baby. And so when I went on from there, um, I got a phone call because someone heard that I was working with the Dallas Mavericks Mm -hmm. from a guy in Hawaii. I said, okay, what are we talking about? He says, we want you to come out and run our basketball team. Me? Yeah. In Hawaii? He said, yeah. I've never flown that far, never been that far. 
Next thing you know, I look at my wife, and we decided not to just sit back and exist. We decided to live. And I took my entire family, and my daughters at the time were a year and a half, to Hawaii. Guys, I got there and became the basketball coach, and I became one of the first African-American athletic directors because I did a great job as a basketball coach. They promoted me to all over, see all the sports, and I recruited people globally. So you know how you recruit people? Hey, you know, he, he goes to this school, like W.E. Griner, we want you to come to Townview. My job was to recruit you from Croatia, from Croatia. <laughs> yeah, we went to Griner. Oh, I, I went to Griner too. What? Yellow wow. jacket. You went to Griner? Yeah. W.E. Griner? Yeah. That wow. is. Oh, man. Small world. Small world. Small world. Small world. Small world. That's crazy. And yeah, so, so then I go to Hawaii as a basketball coach, and I became the athletic director. Then they sent me island to island, all the way to Alaska doing motivational speaking. Help me understand, guys. How does a kid get there? Right? A kid gets there just like I got there, by dreaming. Understand that wherever you're at right now, you are not your circumstances. You're not your past. You're not whatever you don't have. And you're not what someone has done to you. You're not that. Just say it for just a moment. I'm not that. But what I am, I am special. I'm valuable. I have great worth, and I have determination. Because life is not always going to be perfect. Life is not going to hand it to you. Sometimes you got to go take it. But as you're taking it, make sure you leave something. And that's why I was so thankful to have this opportunity. Yeah, I've been on TV, radio, spoken about the kind of things. But guess where I wanted to be? I wanted to be at Townview High School with my boy, with my fam, with my new fam too as well, to give back to some of the greatest people on earth, our youth. And so with that being said now, what I do now, I just, can I tell them? I was a part of the Great America Speak Off, right? So you've heard of American Idol, right? So American Idol is for singers. Hey, that's one thing I do. I'm, I'm great at background, but I'm not going to lead a song, okay? <laughs> uh, my daughters are the one that sing and rap and produce and all that kind of stuff. Hopefully they'll be on the show one day too as well. And so my wife entered me into a competition, much like American Idol, but it's American Idol for speakers. Mm -hmm. So it's great, called the Grand American Speak Off. And so I'm there right here in downtown Dallas, and there's almost 1,000 people in that area that apply right here. I get there at 6.40 in the morning, and there's already 150 to 250 people that are already there with the, the sign on that has their number, mm -hmm. and it's 6.40 in the morning. And they're ready. I was like, wow, okay, so this is going to be like a competition, competition. And uh, so what happened is we have to go and do all of these speaking competitions in front of judges, just like you do at American Idol. And I told them about my story, how um, right after my daughters were born and they were in ICU, I went to ICU. And my daughters were on one floor in ICU and I was on another floor in ICU at the same time. Some people say sometimes when it rains, it pours. And so we were in a tough situation. Both of us were in the crust of losing our life at the same time. And I came out of that particular situation where I was in a coma. And I remembered that there was someone screaming in my ear, we're losing him, we're losing Mr. Jackson. He's shutting down. My organs were shutting down. And then there was another lady that was screaming, Mr. Jackson, you got to fight. You've got two baby twins. You can't give up. You've got to fight. And so at that particular point in time, in the coma, I heard both. But I had to choose which voice I was going to listen to. And so I listened to the lady. And with everything that was inside of me, I was like, I can't give up. I can't give up. 
I woke up. So the question we have to always ask ourselves is which voice will you listen to? Will you listen to the voice that says, give up and quit? Or will you listen to the voice that says, I'm going to fight? And I want to tell everybody that's out there that's listening to this radio show, know this one thing, that your life is worth fighting for. So based on that speech, right, that I, I progressed to the next round and to the next round, the whole, the whole stage was full. They had this thing called the golden ticket, right? Mm-hmm. They're all, these are all the winners that are going to Miami, Florida. So I'm in the back. I've got change of clothes. I didn't know if I was supposed to, you know, be suited and booted or wear my hoodie, which I want, how you want me to present action. And uh, somebody walks in, action, where are you going? I said, nowhere. I'm just getting my charger, my clothes, because all the winners are there. Mm-hmm. And um, he said, well, don't go anywhere. I said, okay, cool. I'm just, just you know, packing up and that kind of thing. And he says, here's all of our winners, but wait. There's one more. And the whole crowd just stopped, like dead silence. We have one more. And I was like wrapping up my cord. I said, oh, you got one more. Okay, it's cool, man, you know. He said, then that person is Curtis Jackson. And the crowd goes crazy. And I'm still wrapping the cord. I said, man, must be another Curtis Jackson here. Still rapping. No, 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 no. It's you, sir. It's you. I said, me? Yeah, you. I'm looking around. Me? Yes, sir, you. And I'm walking toward the stage. And I'm still pointing myself, you. So I said it four times. And then as soon as my foot hit the stage to go up there and get my golden ticket, I broke. Tears just started falling down because I remembered all the things I had been through in life. And my dream came true. So I'm standing there, the only person with the golden ticket with with tears streaming down in face. Because I was so grateful and thankful. And being finding something to be grateful and thankful for is your superpower. Thankfulness and gratefulness is your superpower. Because it's hard to be depressed and be grateful. It's hard to be in a place where you feel like you can't make it and be thankful. So I was so grateful and so thankful. Now, I can't give out many more details because they made us yes, sign some things. Yes, yes. You know, sign some things. Y'all know I'm talking about contracts, right? Yes. Uh, but I went down to Miami, Florida, and your board represented. And now I'm here. So I'm a part of season one, the Great America Speak Off. This is what I didn't know. There was 27,000 applicants. And I actually, they talk, took the top 100 to Miami, Florida. So I had 27,000 in, in, in all of the, uh, America. I was in the top 100 to compete. And then the top 100 competes for the number one spot. Wow. What? Come on, boy. Come on, man. 27,000. 27,000. Yes, down to the top 100 in America, man. Can you believe that, bro? It's crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's crazy. 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 Do I even, like, ask, like, what's next? Like, yeah. <laughs> what is next, man? You know, and that's the thing that we all should should want to live, right, mm-hmm. is I want to wake up tomorrow. Like, I want life to surprise me. And that's what the challenges at times, that's what the super highways. And the beautiful thing is when you go through tough times, it's like walking into a gym, right? When you walk into a gym, everything within that gym is screaming 
adversity. Like you don't get stronger unless you walk on the incline. You don't get stronger unless you pick up the barbell. Life is the same way. Life has lots of adversity. But I say you got to stay in the gym to get stronger, mm-hmm. right? Stay in the gym of life to get stronger. So whatever you might be going through or whatever you may go through in the future, remember that it did not come to destroy you. It only came to develop you. Man, so I'm, I'm looking right. I'm standing here strong, strong. But when I look back, I see 500 people behind me that were in the community. It was a teacher. It was a principal. It was a counselor. It was a coach that stood behind me. It was an advisor, just like you have the advisor here. Who is the lady that oversees the program? Uh, Ms. Shipman. Ms. Shipman? Mm-hmm. Every time I see her, she's just glowing, man. When she sees you succeed, she gets happy. Am I right or wrong? Yes. Yeah. When she sees you guys, and that's, that's what mentors do. Mentors are really the tour guides of life. Mm-hmm. Men tour. Men tour. They're the two tour guides of life. So everybody needs a mentor. Yes. Everybody needs someone that sees the best in you. Everybody needs someone that believes in you. And I'm telling you, I don't know you guys like the back of my hand, but I know greatness when I see it. And I see greatness in you. I know greatness when I see it. And I see greatness in you. And I see strength in you, right? I see future in her right here. Yeah, I can see it, right? I can see it. I've been working with the homeless now for almost a decade. It, it's an outreach called Love Under the Bridge. And the question we ask everybody, where were you when love found you? Where were you when love found you? For the people that we serve underneath the bridge that are living in tents and sleeping on sleeping bags, we bring the love to them hard and heavy. We want to tell you, hey, you know what? Life doesn't end here. It's time for you to get up. It's time for you to believe in yourself. Number one, how'd you get here? How did you get stuck? And so life, sometimes when we go through traumatic things mentally, we can't get past that thought. We can't get past what happened to us. And so our dreams become nightmares. And where eyes are open and where our life is living a nightmare. Mm-hmm. And so for a lot of the people that we help, they're underneath the bridge and they're stuck and whatever happened to them when they were five and 10 and 12. And so our job is to come in and interrupt the conversation between their past and what's in their present. And that's what we do. We yeah. do that. And we do that through loving people. It's called Love Under the Bridge. And my daughter sings to them. I speak to them. I give them a motivation to speak every single month. And it's been one of the greatest things in my life. And can I tell you, at the age of 24, I got my shot. Remember at age 16, I forgave my father, mm-hmm. but I didn't meet him until I was 24. When I, met, excuse me, when I met him, he was strung out on crack cocaine, and he was homeless in L.A. I talked to him on the phone one time. I was, my voice was shaky. I didn't have deep voice. It was probably like a high soprano. Hi. I talked like a little kid. I'm 24, right? Because I didn't know what to do. I call him dad? Do I call him Clarence? I didn't know what to do. And so I talked to him for the first time, and I just said hi. And I told him. I missed him. And so he got on, I guess, Greyhound bus, and he came from L.A. to Dallas. And I said, so why did you move? He said, it was something in your voice. It was something in your voice. So that, in that moment, I clicked that no one has a voice like you. Like your voice is needed in the world, in the world that we live in. Your voice is needed. The world needs your voice. So it was something in my voice that unlocked my, my father's heart and made him start to go forward. So I helped him get off drugs. I helped him find a place to stay. 
I helped him get some medication because he had schizophrenia. I gave him his dignity back. And I told him, as we sat inside of Wendy's on 12th Street, I don't know if y'all know where that's at, 12 and 35, around there, around whatever. Yeah, 12th mm-hmm. Street, the big, tall Bank of America building. Mm-hmm. I sat inside the Wendy's. And you know what my father's first question to me? As we sat there and we ordered off the value menu, because he was, he was ordering something like a, a number six. I was like, Dad, I ain't rolling like that. Look over to the right right there where it says value, <laughs> value. Yeah, dollar. that's where we at right there, Daddy. He said, okay, cool, 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 I got you. And my dad ordered a chocolate shake. Bro, I was like, my dad likes my my dad likes chocolate shakes. Oh my God, he likes. I didn't know what he liked because I yeah. I hadn't met him, you know. Cool. And I had one French fry that I chewed on for thirty minutes. As y'all can see, I can eat more than one French fry in thirty minutes. So I had that one French fry, and when his head went down, my head went up, and I had that one French fry. I was like, oh, oh, look at his ears. Oh, his nose, just like, yeah. Oh, his hand. Oh. Wow, I was like studying him. I was like, "That's my, that's my dad. That's where I come from. That's he looked just wow, yeah." And then his head went up, my head went down. With the one French fry, we did it for thirty minutes. I ate one French fry for thirty minutes, and then at that point in time, he asked me this question that kind of like threw me off. He said, "Son," he says, um, "Why don't you hate me like everybody else?" I, I said, "Excuse me, yeah, I've hurt everybody." Everybody's angry at me. Why don't you hate me? And I said, Dad, I forgave you a long time ago when I was 16. I didn't tell him that the age, I was 16. He goes, wow. And his whole face just changed when I said that. It's like the love broke through all the guilt and shame, and I found out that the reason he was on crack cocaine is because he was running from the pain that he caused for not being in, in, in our lives. He hurt, and so he tried to numb the pain with drugs. So when I forgave him, his pain started to go away. And he was like, man, he said, now I can go home in peace. I was like, okay, let's wrap it up. Let's get back to the crib. And then that's when I got the call to go to Hawaii. Mm-hmm. And they knocked on the door, and they said, hey, uh, Mr. Jackson. I said, yeah. Um, we don't want to tell you this, but. Your dad died. I said, excuse me? I was on the island of Lanai. It's one of the islands in Hawaii. I said, but that's messed up. I just met him. How can I meet him this day and he's gone? I said, that's not fair. I said, that's not right. I said, that's messed up. And so I flew from Hawaii down to Dallas. Right here on 8th Street, there's a little white chapel. And I'm going in. I'm like, where's my dad? I'm looking for the coffin. And there's no coffin. There's three people there. There's the pastor. There's the landlord, and then there's me. And all the cha- wooden chapel benches where there's nobody there, and I'm trying to walk slowly, but these wooden floors, I try to walk slowly. And I was like, whoa, I can't, you know. So I sit down, and I'm looking for my dad, and I can't find him. I said, where's he at? And I look up, oh, there's a black vase. I said, so that's it. I didn't know that that was going to be my last conversation. And Wendy's, my dad. So I want to say to everybody that's out there, when you get a moment, don't waste it. Choose to forgive, not to fight. Choose to love and not to hate. I didn't know that was going to be my last moment that I would see him. And I'm sorry for crying, man. I know I'm supposed to be tough and be this motivational speaker on a great American speak-off, man. But I learned something. 
people lied to me. They told me, man, only weak guys cry. Until I went to prison to do a motivational speech. Mm-hmm. And I found out that uh, when you cry tears, it doesn't mean that you're weak. You know what it means? Strong. It means you're alive because dead guys don't cry. And so at that particular point in time, the thought came back to me because he says, after I forgave him, he says, man, now I can go home in peace. When I was at the funeral, at his funeral, I got it. I, we don't get it sometimes. He says, now I can go home in peace. He wasn't talking about the crib. He wasn't talking about his apartment. He was saying, now I can rest in peace because his son forgave him. And that was one of the greatest moments of my life. And so one of the things I do when I go out and do motivational speeches is I ask him, who do you need to forgive? And what do you need to let go of so you can hold on to your future? I got to tell you, man, I didn't have any intention of coming on your radio program and being this emotional, man. But you guys bring it out of me, man. I don't know if it's the questions. I don't know what it is, man. I just went through therapy, you know, the Oprah show or something. I don't know. But, uh, man, I, I, I thank you for this opportunity. Uh, I thank you for this. Op- you guys are doing magnificent things. And my prayer for you is that when you want to give up, you don't. If I had to say something to anyone that's listening today, is remember two things. If you can commit to action, even though you might not know me, that whenever you think about giving up in life, I want you to do two things. Two things. Remember the letter B. Just keep breathing. Just keep breathing. Hey, that, that's And here's the second thing. Always remember this, the shape of a heart. I want you to commit to doing one other thing. Last and final request. I promise I won't ask anything else. I want you to love you. I want you to keep breathing. And I want you to love yourself. That's when life becomes beautiful. And those are the two most important. Hey, how you explained it? I mean, like that was it was beautiful. That was. And like real quick, I just want to say like I really appreciate like all the things you said. Like as in, sometimes you don't when coming across something new, you don't have to be perfect. You just have to be there. Yeah, come on. And just like just being yourself. Yes. And just getting through it in the way that, like, oh gosh, I'm losing my words. <laughs> I, I, I hear you. Like, you've had. I really appreciate what you said. Yeah. And just, that, I don't know. Like I really resonate with things you said, and like I'm gonna be more conscious about as it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. Uh, hey. Just like thinking yeah. of yourself in a higher way than usual. Yeah. And oh yeah, I know, yeah. man. Because during during this conversation, like all, all of us having, yeah, I'm. Uh, I can only speak for myself. Um, there was a lot of there's a lot of things that you know er, I feel like everybody's been through what they've been yeah, through. Yeah, yeah. But it's about how you surpass it. Yes. And speaking like listen to you speak, I hear a lot and and I'm not gonna get too too personal, but uh stuff that you were, you know, speaking mm-hmm. on reminded me of my father alone. Oh, so it was man. like it was like wow. Yeah. You know, that kind of thing. But cause um yeah, it it's like it's it's a lot of st- yeah a lot of stuff that you that, were, that you were talking about it was yeah. 
it was really moving. It was like, wow, like, you know, wow. And it's just how my how my father talks about his father to yeah. me. And I was like, wow. And like listening to it, it's like just the idea of just being there for somebody. Like uh like yeah. Moses was saying, it's like just the idea of just being there for somebody, just being yourself, being yes. you understanding that you're you can only be you you're the only if you're gonna be great, you gotta be yourself. Come on, because if, you to to, to so. if you try Come to, if you yeah, if you try to be somebody else, yes. trying to mimic some other exactly. thing, you're not gonna be the best version of yourself. You see, listen, we were all born in the original, right? Mm -hmm. So why die a copy? That's that's yeah. hey, that's 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 yeah. real. Yeah, like, we'll, yeah, we're all original. Why die a copy? Remember, the most beautiful thing you can do is being you. Be you to the fullest. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. That, that's, that's beautiful. Yes. Bald head afro. Nice beard. <laughs> Don't matter. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You know, got a smile with crooked teeth right there. I got a gap in my teeth, right? My mama said, boy, you're so cute. And I was like, that's right. I'm cute. Mama said, I'm cute. <laughs> Life becomes beautiful when you see the beauty. In yourself. In yourself. Yes. Come on. That's, that's. Woo. <laughs> that's. This come on, man. <laughs> man. So I hate that we have to, you know, wrap this up. I, yeah, I really hate I'm having fun too. You having fun? Having, yes. I'm having fun, man. A blast, great. man. This is great. Yeah. See, if y'all uh, can see all the great people around me, y'all y'all wouldn't want to leave either, man. Yeah. I see all these great people, but over here, yeah, yeah. yeah. We have people on. We have the host. We have <laughs> Mr. Action Jackson. We have Moses on me. We have yeah, Lord truly. Amazing social media. We have amazing production. Amazing. We have amazing guests. I mean, like the whole this whole show is it is so it's is been beautiful. awesome, man. It's awesome. Any any last remarks you want to well, leave? Well, if you ever, if you choose to follow me, because social media is social media, right? Yes. You can just very simply go to Instagram, Curtis Action Jackson. Just started that mm -hmm. um, because a lot of things that I do, I go to dark places, right? Mm -hmm. When I go to places, they don't care about your Instagram, your social media, whatever they all they want to know is one thing: can you help me? So when I go to a prison, when I go to halfway house, when I go and talk to kids that are maybe about to be sent to prison. Mm -hmm. um, they don't want to know my social media. So I never had social media. It wasn't until I did the Great American Speak Off. They mm -hmm. said, you have to have social media. And I was like, okay, we'll get social media. And so it's Curtis Action Jackson on Instagram. Um, and, and choose to follow me if you like. But let me just tell you, and I got lovingthebridge.org. That is my uh, mission. That's my heart where I'm serving the, the homeless here right in Dallas for about a decade. My daughter started when they were 14. Now they're 24. And so we grew up serving. And that is the best life. You're not truly living unless you're giving. Spend your boy Curtis Action Jackson. And I always end every single speech that I give. I want to take this moment, although she's still with me, I want to honor my mother, Barbara Jackson. Uh, and my only goal in life is to make her proud. And I pray, Mom, if you watch this, that your baby boy, Curtis Jackson, made you proud. I love you. And that... That will be a wrap for one amazing show. It's been KSB Radio along with Mr. Axon Jackson. Moses. And then Khalid. And we will see you guys in the next show. Don't forget to follow us on here. And you're watching us on Twitch right now, so you don't have to figure out where you're watching us. And we will see you guys in the next show. Thank you guys for watching. Thank you. Thank 
you for listening to KSBM Radio, the voice of Townview. My radio station. We hope you enjoyed the great content and great discussion, all from a student's perspective. Make sure to follow us on Twitter for the latest updates at KSBM underscore TVT or on Facebook at KSBM Radio. Add them on Facebook. Check them on Facebook. Take care.